Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tube to Table podcast. I'm Jamie. I'm a feeding therapist and full-time member of the tube weaning program at Thrive, the Spectrum Pediatrics. Today, we have a really special show. I'm really excited. We are recording it from New York City. And today, we have Corey and Ivy and Benjamin, parents of Benjamin, on the show to talk a little bit about their program, their experience with the program, and tell us a little bit more about Benjamin. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. How are you guys today? We're good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So Benjamin and his family participated in our 10-day intensive tubing program in New York at their home. So I saw Benjamin about two to four times a day during meals, outside of meals, and for coaching sessions with his parents. Throughout this time, I also worked with Benjamin's nanny and different caregivers to help train them. And so it was really helpful to be in the home and working with their family. So I thought we could start a little bit if you both just want to tell us and tell our listeners a little bit about what this weaning process from your standpoint looked like, how you got there and a little bit about Benjamin's history. So I'll start with Benji's history, if you don't mind. Um, So Benji was born at 41 weeks. We had a totally normal pregnancy. And when we got to the doctors, they said he had no fluid and he was being strangled by his umbilical cord. So when Benji was born, he had aspirated on plenty of meconium. His lungs were completely filled. And he was brought to the NICU immediately. He was kept in the NICU for 25 days because he could not coordinate the suck, swallow, breathe reflex in order to successfully feed. Mm-hmm. We left the NICU with an NG tube. And we had that for two months. And then Benji received his G tube at two months old, Mm -hmm. July 5th, 2017. So we kind of just were told that he'll get stronger, he'll get it, and day by day we realized it really wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And there were a few months that we just kind of were like, okay, this is what it is. And then come the winter of 2018, I guess January time, we just kind of looked at each other and we said, we need answers. He's eight months old at this point. We have no idea what's going on. So we did all of the tests with our GI and, you know, he was able to drink. He was drinking, I guess you called it dream feeding, dream feeding six to eight ounces in 10 minutes. And then when he was awake, it would take 25 to 30 minutes for three to four ounces. If that. that. And he became very behavioral 
with the feeding tube. He knew where we kept the pump, and he would look in that area of the room, and it kind of just seemed like he could do it, but we just needed, or I myself needed, a lot of hand-holding. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that we had done adjacent to that was starting to introduce him to food and put him in the high chair. Yeah. And again in the winter, but when we think about you know, why ultimately the two win was successful for him, I think a good part of it has to do with the fact that eating at the beginning was never forced on him like a pump was. Yeah. And it was always fun. Even when he had a mess, we always made sure that he was enjoying, he seemed to be enjoying himself and he wouldn't drink anything, but he would eat a puree or whatever we gave him on the spoon and he enjoyed it. But it would be like around two ounces of yeah, puree and he enjoyed it, which is really important, which is to make sure that you're like, important. we talk a lot about that in previous episodes. We've talked a lot about that importance of families who might not be ready to wean or who are just not sure even that's possible that even if you're still using the tube for nutrition and for dependency on the tube, it's still important to make sure that mealtimes are fun and enjoyable for him. Yeah. So that was awesome that you guys did that before the wean even started. And it showed us that he had the skills to do it, to yeah. eat on his own. And I think, you know, that going back to what Ivy was saying that she felt she needed, that was one of the things that I think reinforced the belief that he could do it mm-hmm. was that he had shown without anything. Yeah while having and being on a feeding tube that or on the feeding tube that he could do it, that he could feed on his own. Back to the timeline yeah. of around April, I just kind of threw my hands up and I was said, you know, we need to do every test that we can with GI and see if there's a reason and if not getting the tube out of him because this is not a way to live. And yeah. although that we were trying to make meal times fun and introduce everything, we're now at 10 months and it was becoming really not fun for us. Yeah. And with the amount of time that he was kept on the feeding tube, I mean, the feeds were taking about 45 minutes with the pumping. And then because of the reflux that would come up afterwards, we would yeah. have him sit for another 25 minutes afterwards. He was becoming more and more delayed delayed physically, physically yeah. because he didn't have really time to explore. And he was, we weren't able to do tummy time. He didn't sit up until about 10 months old because he didn't have that time that he needed. So in April, he went to GI and mm-hmm. they did an endoscopy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And our GI said, there's no reason for him not to drink successfully. Yeah. Here are a few people. And we had found you guys. Yeah. And I think Corey made a phone call. And then I was at work and I remember him being like, okay, so we could do this in 10 days or we can wait. Until the end of June. And I am such a planner. (laughs) I need to know everything that's happening, you know. And I'm so type A. And he, I was just like, okay, let's do it. For us, I think that really stood out as, in addition to the timing, is one of the things, really the primary driver in terms of, in helping us make our decision. I also felt that my reason that I wanted you to help us was because I saw a lot of programs on Facebook and that was kind of my only source of knowing 
And like I said, I needed hand-holding. Yeah. And I just felt with the initial phone call and the consult that we had, I felt so supported and I felt Mm -hmm. that there was a real connection and that it was going to be a team effort. Like it wasn't just, okay, this is what the doctor said. This is what you guys said. This is what we said. Like you spoke to our doctor Mm -hmm. within a few hours and we were all on board and we all had that conversation. And I just, I needed to feel that this is going to be something, this is part of his life. So we really needed all hands on deck and everyone to agree because I've heard stories and I've read a lot on Facebook, like, Oh, my doctor said this, but the other two weaning programs said this. And I don't know what to say to my doctor. And it's hard. It's really hard. And you really, I think it's really important to have that teamwork. I mean, we're all working together to support a child and you all need to be on the same page and be honest with each other in your expectations. Yeah. It puts a lot of pressure on families when that support isn't there. And I think that's what we've talked a lot before in other episodes about why we put such an important, you know, why we stress so much that we need to work with doctors. And even though most of the time they can be on board, it's not always the case, but we're here to kind of help make that case for them and I think in your case especially you had an awesome medical team supportive they were super supportive they were willing to talk to us they were ready to go and yeah that just makes such a difference we're just going to touch on that even though this is feeding based the medical stuff obviously gave us the opportunity to do it but the doctors were very much like okay here are your parameters yeah if you fall outside of these parameters of going through your wean we are stopping Mm -hmm. so even though you guys lead it, they're ultimately the ones largely telling us what we can and can't do based on his health. Exactly. Right? Which is the most important thing. Like we do this because we think it's going to give him a brighter and, and better quality of life. But mm-hmm. ultimately like this stuff that we did is largely medically driven. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we find it so important because yes, we are the experts in tube weaning, we think, but we are in no way the experts in the medical side of what comes with tube feeding and those parameters and making sure kids are safe. And that's why we talk to parents a lot who might be trying to wean on their own or working with other programs. And that's great as long as what we really strongly suggest is that as long as you have a member of your medical team helping you through that, you have to have that because it really, for all those questions we had of like, is this okay? Is he within these parameters? We set those so that during the wean, we are there to help you, but we're also there to walk you through. He is okay. And this is how we know he's okay. And this is what we can look for from a feeding side of things. So touching a little bit on, you mentioned like needing the handholding during the wean. And I think that's what a lot of parents say is that a lot of parents either come to us and say, we might be able to do this on our own, or we've tried to do this on our own, or we've read on Facebook that a lot of parents have done their own. And of course, every child's story is different. And there are probably many children who could do it on their own. Many families who can't do it on, you know, it really depends. But I think what I found really helpful working with you guys was that we were able to see what he was already doing. And he was doing a lot in the sense of like, you set him up for success there. But then we also were able to have those conversations right when it was happening. Okay, well, what does this look like? Or what do I do right now? And you were always the ones doing it. But it was nice that open to that communication. Right, I think in those meal times when we would have those moments of, okay, he's not eating right now. And what do we do? Mm-hmm. Just you 
being there yeah. at that mealtime and saying, hey, guys, I noticed mm-hmm. that he was really interested in the ricotta cheese. Yeah. Like, let's try the veggie straws and the ricotta cheese. And he was able to do something that, like, I wouldn't think mm-hmm. of dipping and mixing. And, yeah. I mean, just even mixing purees with the cheese that he likes or mixing mm-hmm. it with higher calorie items mm-hmm. and just kind of switching it up so quickly and thinking on your feet mm-hmm. where you have that experience yeah. and we as his parents, it's kind of stressful because we don't really know what to do and yeah. we want it to work. And, you know, when you're in the moment, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more anxiety provoking and you just kind of being there and being like, okay, let's try this <laughs> yeah. in such a calm oh. manner helps me awesome. especially yeah. feel okay, we can try this. And if it fails, fine. Yep. But I would say 95% of the things were successful. Yeah. And I mean, by the time you left, we were successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned like waiting for certain programs and their timelines. And it is really obviously, and I'm sure I said this to you guys a million times during the week, like every child is different. And I think every parent is probably sick of me saying that to yeah. them. But I say it because it's so true and in the pace or the rate. And I, we are a six-month program there. But a lot of that chunk is the follow-up portion. And so right. to be able to have that time where I was here all the time and really see the good, the bad, the things that were causing stress, the things that we could celebrate was really helpful. Did you feel like it was helpful to have me there or support there outside of meals as well? Or did you feel like, like what was most helpful for you guys? I think just knowing that we could pick up the phone and have somebody to give us an answer to a question that we had yeah, was comforting, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I you said, we didn't know exactly like, what we were doing, what was, you know, the things that you saw, we didn't necessarily see. And yeah. Even when he was not interested and for you to just be like, no, it's cool. Yeah. He's a kid. We never lived like that. You know, mm-hmm. we always were like, when he was on the tube, it was like, okay, you're getting your fill. This is what you're going to get. And like, there was no real variance in intake. Mm-hmm. And also being able to understand that like, you know, kids are kids and they're going to take what they take. And like, that's okay. Yeah. Was never something that we understood. No. Like, because that's just not what it was and yeah also being too fed for 10 months mm-hmm. at that point or basically it was a year at that point he was we started the program yeah. right after mother's day mm-hmm. so he was a year but being too fed for a year we realized that he didn't know what it meant to be hungry yeah and that was a really big problem because we as his parents <laughs> knew medically from what the doctor said this is what he needs. This is how many ounces a child needs yeah. at that point at this age. And that's what we fed. Mm-hmm. And as you taught us, every child is different. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard because, I mean, some days I eat a quarter of a salad. Exactly. And then the other days I could have a cheeseburger and french fries. And everybody eats different amounts. Yeah. So for a child who is not communicating... Mm-hmm. And being basically like almost not force feeding, but kind of force feeding. Yeah. And yeah. uh, just being fed because it's, it's a schedule. It's and that's a schedule. It's, yeah. it, it's really hard. And so at a year old, just you being there to teach us mm-hmm. hunger cues yeah. and just saying like, this is when I think like, yeah. let's work through this together. I think was 
huge. Yeah. Yeah. The hunger piece obviously is a huge part of our program. And we've talked a lot about that before of like what that looks like and really trying to address that. But when we look at that hunger piece of like kids who are too fed for either from the time they're born for right, a like very he long never time. felt hungry. Exactly. So then when we stopped feeding him, he was, and they don't know. So he he's learning what to do. So it's even harder for parents to know. So a lot right. of parents will say like, I feel bad because I don't know how to read his cues. And it's, we always talk about, well, we shouldn't know how to read his cues because I don't even think they know he the cues know, that they're right. learning yet. And so to see him, that was really awesome to see because like, you touched on earlier, yes, he was doing some before we came, but I think the eating was happening in a much different context. When we started the program, I just remember seeing him, his mood was better after eating. He'd be fussy and then would be in a great mood. And to see him respond and turn when he sees food or all those things was really awesome to see. And I think that that's a huge part that we look at is, yes, of course, we want meals to be enjoyable and we focus a lot on happy and healthy meal times, But that hunger piece is also plays a large role in that and learning their cues. And I'm right. sure they have changed even as he gets oh, older, you yes. know, like they're going to change. And like you said, every kid does eat different foods every day, just as adults do. But I think that that's something a lot of parents who have gone through the program would say that that was really hard for them to let go of. So letting go of those numbers from the yes. feeding tube. The feeding tube is great in that way because you know exactly what your child's getting He's getting the nutrients he needs. He's growing. He's getting what he needs. So when that goes away, it's scary to a lot of It's petrifying. Yeah. I mean, I am not the one to let go. Mm-hmm. And just letting go of or knowing, like, he was supposed to have 20 ounces of milk today mm-hmm. or liquid. Yeah. And I remember that first day. And he had a quarter of that. Mm-hmm. And I was panicking yeah. and you sat me down and you're like it's okay yeah. like he will be okay yeah. and we know that he's getting enough and you're able to show me the diapers and show me the signs that he was okay mm-hmm. I mean just you being there if I was by myself I would have given up and that's where those parameters with the doctor are so important for us as therapists too because we <laughs> are able to look at that and say he is okay he's doing great. He's energetic. He's playful. He's Mm -hmm. learning all these skills. And he was picking up on all of these new skills. He learned so much in such a short time period that it was really important to give him that time. Totally. So I guess we kind of touched a little bit on of like some things that were helpful, but if you could name or talk about like a few keys to success, even in follow-up or like, and that can be even for yourself, what would be some things that you might think about? Patience. I think like needing to be patient and Mm -hmm. like respecting and understanding that the process is the process. And, you know, one of the, you said said something early on that stuck with me, which was he may not be fully weaned by the time I walk out of your house. Mm -hmm. And I remember that. And he went through the program and ended up weaning after what day five or six, like fully. Mm -hmm. I think it was what the 25th, May 25th. Yeah, I think it was our last day of... Last day we used the feeding tube, Mm -hmm. and we didn't use it again, but you had said you need to be patient with this Mm -hmm. process, and if you're not patient with it now and with him going forward, it could be successful, but it may not last. And that's where so much more of the hunger is important, but that's where all those other factors play a role in. And I also think trust in the process. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah. 
fortunately for us, we learned that Benji was more of a mm-hmm. girl yeah. case. So it was quick. And as you said, every family is different. So mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Right. It could take six months for someone to feel successfully weaned. <laughs> But, you know, trusting just the process and letting go. And if he's not hungry, let it be. Yeah. So trusting the process, trusting the child and patience are all really important factors. And I think they all go together when we're just looking at the importance of being able to trust that without the feeding tube, they're getting what they need. And that's even though the feeding tube is something that we we're working to wean away from, it's also helpful in a lot of those ways because you know exactly what they're getting and you don't have to worry about that. So a lot of families say that that's really hard for them to take away, even though they're so happy to wean from it. It adds a whole other level of stress. So kind of related to that, when we talk about Benji did wean from his feeding tube dependency in those five days, but then we continued to obviously work through the six-month program as a team. And so during that follow-up period, when even though he was weaned from the tube, what did you find was difficult for you or what was kind of something we worked on or you struggled with during that time? I think my biggest struggle was, again, like letting go. And it's funny because I was actually going through my phone recently and mm-hmm. like my old notes popped up yeah. and I had AW1 <laughs> after wean one, <laughs> after wean two. And I mean... <laughs> I wrote down, I mean, every morsel of mm-hmm. food that he ate and the estimated calories. And I, I think for the first three weeks, I drove myself crazy. Yeah. And I would send you these long, detailed messages yeah. about like what he ate every day and just kind of having you there to deal with my neuroses. <laughs> And also, I mean, but all parents go through that, right? We all want them. Okay, now you left and we have to do this on our own. But we also need to make sure that our doctor doesn't turn around and say, hey, he's lost too much weight. You need to feed him through the feeding tube. And opening up the feeding tube became my biggest nightmare. Yeah, And so just kind of having you there to support us and saying, okay, this looks like a great amount of calories and working with your nutritionist Mm -hmm. and here are some suggestions and here's what else we can try was super helpful. And I will never forget you telling me there's going to be a day that you don't think about what Benji ate. And I had a day like that and I laid in bed at night and I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) I have no idea what he ate today because I didn't even ask our caregiver because like she said, he had a great day and it was like, I lost 20 pounds off of my shoulders. That was to me like amazing. And I felt everything was just, it it was a huge release. Yeah. It's so awesome to hear you say that because there are so many, I'm sure families out there right now that are thinking that same thing of whether they're just weaned, whether they're waiting to wean, whatever it is, where they are counting the calories and they are. And, you know, families have to do that for an important reason. It's not to say, oh, don't do that. We're not saying that at all. But what we're trying to say and what we work with a lot of families during follow-up on is, great, the dependency is gone, but in order to keep the pressure away and to get to normalize mealtimes, we have to make sure that we're taking away from the dependency on those calories. And so really looking at how that child is feeling for the day or looking at 
what their mood was like that day. And so it's just really, I love when families can say that. I think that's definitely a part where every child is going to be at a different pace in follow-up. Yes, but our goal remains the same. You know, our goal remains to be, we are making sure that we're getting back to normalizing things. And for so long... We're starting to normalize things, things, right? Like There's no baseline. Like the the life after the program is the baseline. So like with that, I guess, in those follow-up periods or after, like what have been some times that you're able to look at and be like, wow, that would have been either so different with the tube or that was a time where like family was around or I don't know, some positive things of where you were able to look back. I mean, we just got back from Florida. Mm-hmm. We were gone for a week. And, you know, when you're on vacation and every meal is eating out. Yes. And we didn't bring food with us. Yeah. And awesome. we ate out lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. And we ordered him food off the menu or picked it up at like the yeah. salad bar. And we were able to feel normal yeah. and not have to think, oh, I need to hold the feeding tube or hold him getting feeding tube while we're out for dinner. I mean, we never did that. Yeah. And just being able to travel, being able to see family mm-hmm. and friends. And also for Benji, he has been able to have time to do therapies. Yeah. And that's huge for us because mm-hmm. he became so delayed because of the feeding yeah. and the lack of time he lack had and he's starting to make friends because awesome. he's able to have this time. So I think, you know, we Corey says we didn't really have time for a life. Our whole life yeah. revolved around when the next tube was going mm-hmm. to be. And it was hard. There were a lot of things that we sacrificed and missed out and didn't get to go to. And now we can, and yeah. he feels I guess, more successful. And it's just really a pleasure watching him feel successful eating in public and being able to socialize and have company and still be eating and looking Mm -hmm. and moving around the apartment. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so exciting. I love love hearing that. I remember when I came to, because you guys live here also, and so being able to come here and do some in-person follow-up or being able to check in and every time just seeing what he was eating or just walking in or getting videos from you, like makes still makes my day because it's just so awesome to see how far he's come and just like how far you guys have both come too. And again, like you're just saying, the the mindset around food was just these numbers, and now it's not the number; it's enjoyment and it's togetherness and it's curiosity, which we talk about in a lot of the past episodes. The internal reasons why kids eat, and of course, those yes, hunger is one of them, but all those things we just mentioned togetherness and the family and the environment around that is huge. So that's a really important part of that too. So to kind of wrap up here and just kind of talk a little bit about what Benji's doing now, tell me a little bit about what he ate today. So he starts every day with a smoothie that Corey makes and has different fruit and almond butter in it. Mm-hmm. It's a protein drink. A protein drink. It was little, so we wanted yeah. to try and like catch him up, and he wouldn't eat fruit on its own, on like just like as a snack. Yeah. So he was coming out of the wean, and basically through August or September, he was constipated. Mm-hmm. We thought we were like, well, how do we get him something that's going to make him boop? Yeah. So right. we threw some fruit in a blender with some organ and. 
I've never seen her drink anything that fast. <laughs> then he had two blueberry waffles, like full-size waffles, like, like an adult <laughs> serving around 9 a.m. And then for lunch, he had... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I forgot the two egg whites that he had for a snack. And we discovered eating out that he liked hard-boiled egg whites. So that was a plus of being at a yeah. salad bar. What they had. What they had. And, you know, that's what we had to do. Yeah. So we he had two hard-boiled egg whites for his snack. And then today he had a cream cheese sandwich for lunch. He's still into his cream cheese. He's always loved cheese. Every type always. of cheese. Ricotta, dipping his face. Head first into the ricotta. Everything. I'm like day two. <laughs> And then that was lunch, and then he woke up, and he had a six-ounce yogurt smoothie and a package of mini muffins. And then for dinner, he had a cup and a half of ravioli. It's so cool to hear, and I, we were just talking earlier off when I got here about the airplane that you were saying. You just yes. flew back from Florida, and... Ivy had said, oh, all he did in the airplane, and I thought she was going to say, was cry for the two hours, but she said all he did was eat for the entire two hours. He ate my food. And I came back ravenous, because I brought eggs for myself, and I brought him two waffles, and I just thought, okay, it's two hours. And he had the waffles in the airport, and I took out the eggs to eat for myself. And I gave him the airplane cookies, and he did not want those. He wanted my egg whites. And... And the turkey from my turkey sandwich. sandwich. So awesome. He ate all my food, but he was great. And I mean, like you said, wouldn't I have been able to do? I mean, yeah, it was in a minute that I had to travel by myself, and I would not have been able to do that. No, stuck in Florida. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, it makes me so happy to hear all this. I obviously love coming over and seeing how he's doing and hearing all the progress and. So excited for you guys. And yeah, I think so much for being here and Thank having you. me come over. I know it's us. close to bedtime for him. Thanks so. for continuing to come over. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that's, <laughs> I think that's, that's so awesome for us too. It's like we went through the program and you're still and now we're like, hey, like, what are you doing? Exactly. Yeah, now we are still neighbors. come around and, you know, that's awesome for us. It's oh. awesome for him. And just even when we don't touch base, you just say like, hey, I'm thinking about you guys. How are you doing? Like, yeah. How is... Certain foods, I always think of them. Like, and I, I use this story, like a lot of times during weeds, we'll talk to families and be like, oh, this is, we, not necessarily here's a food that we recommend because another child liked it, but just a fun story to help parents work through it. And I always talk about like cheese obsession. And it's so funny because our dietitian would be like, no, back away from the cheese because of constipation. And, but so many kids love it. So it's so funny. I use this story all the time with just all the different types of cheese and dipping is veggie straws into ricotta and the diet that I would want to be eating all the time too. I so. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening everyone. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the tube to table podcast. Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum. And on Twitter, you can find us at Thrive with SP. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week.